edge of gangster rap, Will Smith. Yeah, it's a little bit harder, Will. <laughs> if hard, it was better, if it, but it was, his it, job. It's, it's very terrible. It's not, not his strong. Although player. wrinkled old bag looking like a Sharpay is pretty good. Is <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Oh man, and that is a broke. That song is a broke clock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's something. Dear listener, we are talking about You Saw My Blinker by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, an early cut from Will Smith's uh, rap career that is definitely not worth your time, but you should listen to it anyway. It'll it'll <laughs> certainly open your doors of perception. Uh Boy, howdy! Is it weird to revisit Will? Oh man, it's not that weird, honestly. But it is—it's kind of—I don't know. Not that the three of us have an opinion about the slap, because I can guarantee you the three of us don't have an opinion. And it was I, nine months ago, so we've moved on. Uh, yeah. We have totally moved on. I mentioned it as a writing prompt idea, just sort of like brainstorming different ideas that you could write about with that event in a class. In a class with my students, they got very animated and very excited. They're much more interested in who Jada Smith has slept with than they are with anything else. And I about was, the situation. I, I was very gotcha. surprised about, you know, who's banging who is much more important than uh, whether or not, you know, Chris Rock had it coming or not. It was wild times. I was my, my class was slightly off the rails for a moment there. But anyway, that was a fun story. Uh, hey, welcome to the Good Trash Honor cast, where we talk about the films you'll never discuss in the film face course. And I guess we're going to talk about Men in Black, starring Will Smith, um, directed by Barry Sonnefield. And Tommy Lee Jones is there. Tommy Lee Jones is in it. And, and Linda Rip Torn. Rip Torn. Rip Torn. Vincent D'Onofrio. Is, 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 yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio. And, Doing uh, the God's, God's work. Yeah, yeah Linda oh, Fiorentino. Is, Linda Fiorentino. Yeah. One of the great. greats. Uh, one of the, the most underutilized yeah, actors of her damn. Queen of the Dead vibe going. Oh, the man. dead body. <laughs> man. <laughs> there this, are jokes in this movie. This won't surprise either of you, but seven-year-old me had a huge crush on her. Oh, uh, check that. Uh, totally not surprised yeah, at I all. Yeah, I know. Yeah, hot uh, hot morgue lady? Come uh, well, on. You, you mean hot doctor <laughs> lady? You mean? Hot, hot doctor. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, okay, you got a type. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying, bro. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Men in Black. Now, why are we doing that, Dustin? We are doing this because we are a, an analysis show that applies analysis tools to genre film. In this week's film, Men in Black being a sci-fi comedy from the early 1990s or mid-1990s. I guess smack dab in the middle. 96. Is Just 96? on the other side of the middle. Just on the other side of the middle. I mean, the middle could go all the way from 94 to 96. No, it's not, this is time is concrete. It goes all the way to 97, I would argue. Yeah, and no, that, I think this is 97, right? <laughs> Am I wrong? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, it's like early Day summer. It's like early summer, though. Yeah, Independence yeah. Day is like a year before. Gotcha. So that's 96. So, <laughs> relative discussions of time aside, uh, we do analysis, not review. And that means I have to warn you, dear listener, that this uh, show will spoil... <laughs> the ending of the one of the most seen films of all time uh, the last 25 years so, yeah, yeah I, I think there's probably very very few of you who have not at least seen this movie once if not multiple times on VHS and danced often to uh, the Men in Black theme song uh, sung rapped by Will Smith uh, so you're probably aware of it but we're going to avoid it for just the six of you out there in the world who may listen to this podcast that would be winning the lottery of the six people in the world who have never seen this movie and they happen to also listen to us that would be i would not call that winning the lottery that would that would be singular i am curious how many pod movie podcast listeners especially niche movie podcasts you know we're not on the ringer network right, right. so number one you're already listening to a niche movie podcast but two 
you're listening to one and you haven't seen Men in Black? That, that seems, seems unlikely. Very unlikely. Yeah. This was, this movie made like $900 million? It made all the money. Yeah. All the money. It didn't make, no, it did like 500 But it made half a billion dollars. It's a gigantic worldwide hit. In 97. Yeah. It, yeah. it definitely did like close to a billion in today's dollars for sure. So tons and tons of, mo- but we're going to avoid spoilers nonetheless, because this is the constrictors upon which we've placed ourselves. So what we'll do is we'll do a synopsis. It'll be spoiler free. We'll do a review, which will be just like the movie reviews, um, which is basically no spoilers, but you know what the movie's about. We'll move into a little game called Expanding the Syllabus, which might involve a gentle spoiler of this film or other films of its ilk. And then finally, we'll get down to business, and that business will be analysis. And that's when all spoiler bets are off. There'll be music to let you know that we've gotten down to business. And so uh, at that point, you know you've been warned. If you haven't caught it yet, and you don't want to find out whether or not they saved the galaxy, then I guess watch it real quick and come back and see us. So with that, uh, let's hear a synopsis, Arthur. A police officer joins a secret organization that polices and monitors extraterrestrial interactions on Earth. Ten years of talking about the movies you wouldn't discuss in a film studies course. Uh, this is probably one of those movies. that you, It's not a cheat for us. I feel like we're definitely staying Absolutely true to the not. mission. Yeah, yeah. This is true to this the mission. This is not a hazard. That said, it is deeply beloved by one of the hosts of this show. In fact, it made one of our uh, top 100s. Arthur, how, how long have you loved this film? Did you see this in theaters? Approximately since 1997. That's what I thought. Okay. Let's <laughs> run it back real quick. Summer 97. Let me get out the minutes. Uh, I remember... 12? Seeing... 11? Yeah. 11? 11. 11? Yeah. Okay. I would have been just at 11, probably when this came out. Gotcha. Depending on the release date. Um, I remember uh, seeing the standee for the VHSs in Walmart wow. uh, near the door mm-hmm. when that was a thing that they would do. And wanting it very badly, but at the uh, cost of uh, roughly twenty four bucks, I think for the VHS, uh, we couldn't afford it uh, in our home, and so I was very disappointed uh, until it showed up under the Christmas tree uh, at Christmas, uh, and was very excited to have gotten it for Christmas that year. And that VHS did come with the Men in Black music video after the credits. Yes, yep. so much fast forwarding through credits to watch that video uh i i've loved it greatly since childhood uh, i've seen it a number of times uh i got to a point for me because it, it does feel like one of those capital e on the i chart how have we not got to this movie i think there was a point where it would just it doesn't go streaming often netflix now has this deal with sony so it might come into rotation a little more often but it's not always readily available um and so then at a point, it's just like, well, we probably should just save it for some sort of special mm. occasion type thing when we do big movies we haven't done before. And this felt like apropos to do Men in Black. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's apropos. It's, you know, very much in our wheelhouse. Yeah. And again, I, I think that, you know, we do try to stay uh, on the streaming services, both for ease of our homework, but also so our listeners can play along with the show. You know, we don't make it hard for people to follow along with the homework. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's weird that I didn't know about the Sony deal until we, we started watching the show. Cause I was like, Oh, they don't just have men in black. They've got all three of them. Yeah. It was something. Cause I, I think spider verse is one of the first kind of things that Netflix got from I, that. Gotcha. But yeah, I think they got some, they signed some sort of deal with Sony. Big so a lot of the Sony deal. stuff has shown up on Netflix off and on over the last few months, uh, which is cool. Yeah. But yeah, men in black. Does is, that involve old school Columbia pictures stuff as well? I 
don't think they have anything on Netflix since before 2005, so I yeah. doubt it. But no. I'm sure it does, since Sony owns Columbia. I'm right. sure it technically is, involves it. Because Netflix yeah. doesn't want it. Yeah, they don't give a shit. Yeah. yeah. Netflix, yeah. They're, you know, Netflix wants the, the greatest hits of the 90s and then all their original content. That's pretty much their sweet spot, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, Arthur. Since you are the uh, picker of the film and lover of the film, tell us why it is that Men in Black is so magic for you. Uh, Men in Black is a perfect American film. <laughs> I will hear no slander. I will just cut out anything I don't like. Remember that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's one of those things, Nostalgia Gog is obviously, I mean, I love this as a child, but I think taking those off, uh, it, it still sings in many ways. I think that this, the script of it is just so smart. Um, and not just dialogue and story, uh, but just little details. Uh, Jack Jeeves works at the Universal Pawn Broker, Pawn Shop. It is, it is in the title of the pawn shop that he is a universal pawnbroker, uh, which is exactly who he is and what he does. And, and there's a similar gag at Frank, the pugs, uh, newsstand mm-hmm. when they go see Frank. Um, and, and there's these little details. The opening line of this movie is, is in, in screenwriting. There's the idea that the thesis stated, which is kind of the underlying thing of the movie. Mm-hmm. The opening line of this movie is the conflict of the film. When the truck driver, uh, hits the bug that we've been following and yells out GD bugs, which sets us up entirely for what's going to happen. That's the whole movie. Yeah. For the movie. I, I think Sonnenfeld's script is so smart. And I listened to an interview with him a while back. Uh, I think a couple of important takeaways for this is one, he doesn't let people really go off script. He is very much by the script. Interesting. Director. Um, and he wants the material to speak for itself. Uh, and I think that works sometimes. I think Adam's family is another great example. I think Adam's family is a great comedy. Uh, and I think Sonnenfeld is really his best. I haven't seen Get Shorty, um, but I think this is one of the scripts that just, it, it's probably Sonnenfeld's last great movie um, in many ways. Mm. And so I think just that element of the little details that work, I think the development of Jay as a character, uh, the ways in which we see what Kay sees in him when he's doing his little aptitude tests yeah. at like, I think all of that is so smart. Um, the way that's all put together. And and then obviously uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones uh, mm-hmm. as a duo are, are so good. And and there's another anecdote that Sonnenfeld tells about Tommy Lee Jones. Jones wanted so bad to be funny in this movie that his agent was calling and telling him, Hey, let Tommy be funny. Let him give him more jokes, make him funny. He wants to be funny. You're not letting him be funny enough. And Sonnenfeld said, relax, just read the lines, and he's going to kill. He's going to get laughs. It's going to be so and he's funny. he's the funniest thing in the movie. Because is. it is that that straight man comedy sidekick uh, reactionary comedy. Yeah, he's Bud Abbott. Yeah. 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 And, and everything, it, it's the way in which his kind of non-response in responding to uh, Jay, Will Smith, works so well and that 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 chemistry is so good too the fact that he like the first time he's any kind of silly the fir- the the only time he drops the gruffness is in the the, the tunnel sequence with the car and him like listening to, to elvis to yeah. him listening to elvis yeah and like holding on to like letting him kind of crack through the yeah. gruffness for that long is yeah it's perfect and even that moment where he's looking up his ex yeah on the, the computer, the kind of quiet the, moment of, yeah. of longing. When we get to see some of those looks past his, his tear, but even I think that character, when they are going through, they've done the aptitude test. Jay thinks this is all still just not on level. He thinks it's all crazy, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey, you want coffee?" 
let's let my mom grab a coffee because he knows the worms are in there and he knows that's going to be the thing. Like mm-hmm. the, the nuance of this script, mm-hmm. I think is just so sharp. And the way that Sonnenfeld answers questions the audience might have before we even ask them, because mm-hmm. you know, one of the first thing Jay asks when he arrives in headquarters is how's this funded? If this isn't a government thing, Oh, we've got, well, we've got some patents, patents on yeah. some pretty big things. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, I think so smart. And then setting up, Chekhov's guns because when they're at the headquarters, we see the dignitary mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. customs. Mm-hmm. So it's so smart. I think in setting up all of these little components and building it and, and threading it together throughout. Well, and casting the diplomat as somebody that's so striking looking. Yes. Right. right. As somebody that you're going to clock immediately. Yeah. And when he shows up again, you're like, Oh, it's that that's guy. guy. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's very much in a back. I mean, we do have that moment, but it's kind of a background as Jay's passing. Mm-hmm. And he meets that weird tubular leech creature who's kind of a grouch. He's, yeah, he gets grouchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so stuff like that. And then that doesn't even factor in the other magnetic force of this movie, who is Vincent D'Onofrio. Absolutely. Who is, on one hand, props to makeup uh, because that. Sure. As soon as he comes back in with the Edgar suit on, quote, uh, it, it is so uncanny valley that that's the guy we just saw yeah but his skin is hanging his skin off of is his ill bones. fitting now and yeah that that makeup and that prosthetic is so cool but then d'onofrio's commitment to the physical performance of a bug in a human suit with these unnatural jerky stiff movements and there's that really cool moment where he's in the bug truck trying to watch the dignitaries and he's like trying to put his chin on his <laughs> palm to like <laughs> Casually relax, <laughs> but it's so bizarre. It's incredible <laughs> physical comedy. That performance, I think, is just top notch. And, and then there's this nice, uh, the practical effect of the spaceship hitting the truck is very good. It looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, some of the CGI doesn't hold up, but obviously it's 97. It's 25 years after the fact. Right. Um, but I'll say some of the compositing, though, like, yeah, I was thinking about when the, the UFO or cr- crashes in yeah. front of Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, like. You could tell there's a little compositing going yeah. on. It looks better than a lot of stuff you'd see in the like the MCU right now. Yeah, right. like they yeah, are yeah. In, they are being very professionally photoshopped in front of that that land not landscape but uh, that destructive yeah. action. Yeah. yeah, and so there's there's just so many things about the script I think that works, and also I think does that diehard thing where there's always something going on. Mm-hmm. It's always on to the next thing. This opening set piece into the next set piece where Jay is introduced to this world, and then to Jay is automatically introduced to the bigger world of Jack Jeeves, and then into the headquarters. Like it's just a continuous movement that well, the pacing. Edgar Bug is doing something. Yeah, like cutting to him doing his nefarious stuff. Like, yeah, it, was, it keeps momentum going. Yes, yeah. I, I think there's very little fat here, um, and so all of that works for me. Everybody's good. Uh, Linda Florentino's great uh, here as well. Uh, she's fun. Um, Rip Torn is a blast. And, and then it does that other thing that we've kind of talked about before that I really like. Uh, the Men in Black just is. We get a couple of things about the background or how it's funded, but it is just a fully operational world. And we don't really have any information about it. There's no lore. Yeah, it is. The Men in Black is just a thing. Jack Jeebs is an alien pawnbroker. He just is there. He's Frank the Pug. Yeah. He's the news guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just a thing. The worms. Yeah. You ungrateful <laughs> greats. 
<laughs> and they're carrying their Marlboros and coffees. A couple cartons of Marlboros. You know, when you're trying to be the, the last rats off the ship that is planet Earth, yeah. cartons of reds, that's, that's <laughs> where this weight in gold. You're, you're trying to carry on what's worth any value on planet Earth. Yeah. <laughs> it's cartons of reds, baby. Yeah. And I think it does have some very thoughtful moments, too, and reflective moments. But I, and I, I always think about a person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals. And you know it. And mm. I think about that all the time. Yeah. And nothing has been proven more correct in the mm-hmm. last five years. No doubt. Than that phrase. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I think it is a perfect movie. I, I think just incredible performances. I just, and it stuck with me throughout the time. And so part of that is probably when I saw it, but also I, I, I think it's just a good movie. All right. Well, thank you for that glowing review, Arthur. Um, what is your review, Dalton? Well, he trashed it. And I was just saying, not, <laughs> not just because I don't want Arthur to edit me out, uh, <laughs> but from the moment the Danny Elfman score kicked Man, in, yeah. as soon so as good. as soon as it kicked in, I was like, "Holy shit, this movie's incredible!" <laughs> like just the moment it starts, you're like, "Yeah." That is the sound of the movie Men in Black. Does that feel like a different movie, though? It I mean, does. Th- th- that but credit- I think that works. It works in yeah. a good way. Yeah, uh, in there a good way. There is something other otherworldly about it. That credit sequence is one movie, and then we get in the Tommy Lee Jones INS thing. Yeah. yeah. But that, that score just like sets up the feel of of the Men in Black like so effectively. Yeah. And it continues throughout. Like he just always is like setting just the right tone with with his score. And, and again, you, you've already heaped a lot of praise on Ed Solomon's screenplay, which I, I think you're right is like so smart. And Sonnenfeld is is so smart to you the way he uses Tommy and and Will off each other. I think is so smart. Do you know which one of them came onto the project first? Do you know? Was it Will that they they got first? Do you know? I feel like, but I can't remember. I, I wasn't able to find him. That research. seems like the smart green light move. Yeah, yeah. I was I wasn't able to do a ton of research, but I'm just assuming based on '97. You know, Will was at the kind of the peak of his movie yeah. star powers oh, yep. post. Independence, uh, Independence Day. Day, yeah, um, but yeah, I, again, from the time that the moment that score pops in, I was just absolutely hooked, and I think the first act itself is just who uh, Arthur talked about uh, the, the testing sequence, and for me, that, that's yeah, that's one of the highlights of the movie. I love watching uh, K or just sort of look over at Zed and just be like, see, see, like every, every time Will like cleverly solves one of their problems Kay just kind of looks over at him and is like ah, you sure you want that dumb marine <laughs> you the sure best you want- of the best yeah sir, sir. <laughs> with honors with honors, with honors. <laughs> i so arthur i haven't seen this movie in years i i remembered every beat of that scene. Yeah. with honors the grabbing of the table the, <laughs> remembered every single beat of that i always think about the the guy putting his pencil through the test <laughs> book yeah, as yeah. Tra- and he breaks his pencil. I remembered opening. Will trying to put his pencil together. Yeah. Oh my God. As soon as he starts trying to put the pencil back together, I was like, yep, remember that? Like every beat of that, I was like, yep, I remember that. Like, and it's, they all landed so well. Like, I'm, I'm laughing the whole time and like just so happy. Uh, again, it, there's nostalgia goggles on for sure a little bit, but I think this movie just like, it works. It is, as you said, like, it's pretty much peak Hollywood filmmaking. It, it really is like when it comes to American blockbusters, this is this is the height of this kind of stuff. It really le- works on every cylinder. The moments where you're supposed to feel longing for for you know for K and sadness, it, mm-hmm. it brings those those heartstrings in. But the laughs all land. Um, the, the again, the world is so intriguing and interesting, and it's just so full of mystery that pull, mysteries that pull you in. And, and the cast is all just absolutely locked in. 
from, you know, uh, we've already named everybody, so I don't need to go through the cast again, but they're all just absolutely locked in. Oh, we forgot Tony Shalhoub. We did forget Shalhoub. <laughs> his, 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 his two scenes. Do you scenes. have any idea how much that stings? Oh my God, Shalhoub is great in his scene. Uh <laughs> The whole look of the pawn shop, too, is great. Like, yeah. the production design on this movie, yeah. which is, you know, that's a, a Sonnenfeld hallmark, right? Like, the Adams Family movies are, mm-hmm. like, production designed within an inch of their life in a good way. And I, I think the, you know, the, the design of everything, the design of the Edgar house, or whatever Edgar's yeah. last name is, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that house is ugly, and I love it. It's hideous. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, this movie is a good time. It, it works really well. Uh, I'm sure we'll find some interesting things to to talk about once we kind of get going into analysis. But as just far as genre entertainment goes, this is as good as a buddy comedy can be. Um, There's a reason we mentioned it offhandedly a hundred times when we were doing our buddy cop marathon, which it wasn't a buddy cop marathon. It was just a buddy marathon, Mm -hmm. uh, buddy comedy marathon. But we I know we invoked this movie multiple times during that marathon. And I think that this is why this is probably... Yeah, the best buddy comedy of the 90s. I can't think of it. Like, the other ones are all sequels. Like, yeah, there's some le- good Lethal Weapon sequels in there, but who Tommy cares? Tommy Boy would be a contender. Tommy but... Boy's a contender, sure, but I feel like, I don't know, as much as you want to separate the cop aspect from the buddy comedy, the the buddy cop comedy is sort of like the, the, the hallmark level. of the genre, Yeah, I, I tend to agree, and uh, I, I think Men in Black's a better movie than Tommy Boy. Yeah. I, I will say that. Well, and again, even like... Even though there are some kind of dodgy CGI effects, like they look good. The the design of the giant roach is pretty cool, even if he looks a little whatever. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look great. He doesn't look terrible either. I mean, for the time, it's it 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 as about as good as anything in 97 looked, and it still holds up fairly well. And again, mm-hmm. I think design-wise, it is a compelling-looking villain. And again, that Vince D'Onofrio performance from the, the makeup to the, what he's actually doing. You know, a man was wearing knee braces and taped up his ankles... Oh, to yeah? do that walk? Hmm. Ridiculous. So good. Just ridiculous That's theater, commitment to the role theater right actor there. bullshit, and I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm all... Move all, over, Marlon Brando. You know D'Onofrio loves Brando, too. Yeah. He's oh, got he absolutely Brando. does. That's yeah. a Brando guy. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin, what about you? Had you seen this recently? This I hadn't seen this in 20, oh, I, maybe 20 years. I, I hadn't seen this in a long time. It's been a while. It's been less time than that since I'd seen it. Okay. Uh, I don't think I'd watched it. I don't know adult. when I'd last seen it. it. It's it's probably less than 10 years, more than five, okay. if I was guessing. But I remember his initial theatrical release. Mm-hmm. I worked at the theater at that time. We danced every night. It showed while the credits rolled and we swept popcorn. And it was great. And uh, Dustin Harvey, shout out to you, old buddy. Uh, we, we, we actually learned the steps and we danced. Let me ask, did you just bounce with it? We did. Did just, you bounce? With we him? did. We walk with him. We bounce with him. We did, did you slide with him? We slid. Yeah, we slid. We we <laughs> we did indeed slide in the past tense. It was a very very good time. Miss you, pal. Anyway, uh, lots and lots and lots of fun uh, doing that stuff with that movie. And the movie is an absolute hoot. Uh, Will Smith is incredibly funny throughout the movie. His uh, sort of uh, open eyed wonder meets also his. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Bravado fronting. That uh, is, is sort of an interesting combination. I'm walk in here and lay my thing down. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, why don't you go lay your thing down and I'll come back and talk to you. <laughs> and then Tommy Lee Jones is absolute, just tired of it all, deadpan. It, it's, it's just... 
It absolutely works as our main comedy team. Uh, the design of all the sci-fi stuff really, really works. Danny Elfman's score is incredible throughout. Um, all the supporting cast are just absolutely nailing every single piece of it. Um, you guys have pretty much said everything else. And, and again, you mentioned just the way in which it plants the Easter eggs and the Chekhov guns um, that are loaded throughout the film. I'm thinking about the World's Fair uh, flying saucers bit. That's just it's, it's a perfect yeah. way to do that. The cat is a perfect mm, way. The cat's good. You mm-hmm. know. Good just movie a, cat. Yeah. a good movie cat, yeah. But uh, just laying out that piece of evidence that we'll later sort of put together at some other point. And uh, I love the sort of um, categories game that they play with the dying um, Virilian. Yeah. Is, are they Virilian? Archillian. Archillian. Ar- 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 of course I'd remember that. Archillian. <laughs> God, I wish I could keep this shit out of my brain, but it just it gets lodged in there and it stays. <laughs> Uh, You've got a dead Ar- Archelian prince. I just hate it when an Archelian death cruiser comes, you know? It's just yeah. a, it's the worst thing. There's always a battle cruiser or an intergalactic plague. It'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, I love the... That's one of my favorite things is Zed and Kay, like, are pretty nonchalant about it, even, like, as the clock is really ticking. You know, They're both like, it'll be fine. Well, even the rest of the staff, there's a guy sitting at his desk just drinking his cup of coffee as uh, the, the countdown's going on. I was like, oh, you know, I mean... The last few minutes well, I might be living here on I this earth. I think the calmness with which they operate is, again, planted early when mm-hmm. Jay sends that orb. The thing that caused the New York the New York blackout. blackout in yeah. 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 When, I mean, they're just... <laughs> and even when it gets into uh, Zed's room, and he's just... <laughs> do, 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 as it ping-pongs around. It's like, ah, oh, here we go again. But, yeah, that, that calmness that they have under pressure of... The world could be destroyed in 50 minutes, but... Nothing. Yeah, I'm gonna drink my coffee. We're gonna, we're, I, I, need, I need to drink my coffee. If I don't have my coffee, I'm not gonna be good. And I need to drink my coffee. Yeah, Otherwise, it, my focus is not going to be there. It absolutely sells the idea that this is Tuesday for this agency. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, yeah, the movie 100 percent works. It is hilarious. It is fun. It m- by far exceeds the six laugh rule. And so, yes, it's a, it's a good time for me. So there you go, dear listener. Our reviews are definitely pro. We're going to move on now and play a little game called Expanding the Syllabus. Dalton, could you explain what that's all about? I sure will, Dustin. This is the part of the show where we deliver on the promise of our premise, where we discuss the films that you would not discuss in a film studies course or any academic setting for that matter. Uh, and, and we try to apply a little bit of that the academic microscope to the, the week's movie. So this week, we're talking Men in Black, so we will be designing courses or modules within courses that use Men in Black as a chunk of the syllabus, and we're going to expand that syllabus right this very second. This very moment. In fact, are you ready? I am. Do it. So Arthur talked a lot about last week about uh, media perceptions of law enforcement, Uh, and it made me think about uh, the Skip Intro uh, YouTube channel. You guys know about Skip Intro? Nope. He's a guy that covers TV and does a lot of TV video essays, but he's got a six or seven part series on copaganda that I think Mm. is really solid, and I honestly think you could build an entire class around it. And, and again, Arthur last week alluded to this, that, you know, you really can use film and television to kind of chart uh, public perception of the police throughout history, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and in a really useful way. But not and not just public perception, but also the evolving and unfolding relationship between media and law enforcement. Uh, but one factor or one nugget that we could look at and this would be the module where we look at men in black is spooky cops mm. uh, which is a term that uh they come he comes up with this in this propaganda series and you're looking at me and nodding and i can tell you already know what a spooky cop is yeah dustin names yep <laughs> name some spooky cops right spooky Mulder is a yeah yeah, yeah. so buffy uh, summers buffy summers is a spooky cop absolutely yeah, exactly so we would look at things like x-files and buffy buffy the vampire slayer 
Uh, he uses Grimm a lot as sort of a, a TV series that's got a lot of problems, like is is the one that like kind of most loudly uh, has has big issues with how a spooky cop operates. It's like, oh, yes, the detection of evil being the cop's superpower is sort Ooh. of a theological or not theological, ideological problem. Uh, but again, there's also some movies we could look at. You know, there's Men in Black, obviously. There's Ghostbusters, I think is a big one. Mm. Uh, Hellboy 2, I think is very useful. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, you could use both. Uh, all of the, uh, there's a third Hellboy film now with the reboot, but uh, you could no, use, not. yeah, that's fair. Uh, you could use Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy films, uh, either one, but I think the second one kind of gives that, complicates the law enforcement narrative a little bit more than the first movie. They're sort of kind of, uh, empathetic villains in, in uh, Hellboy 2. Obviously, the first Hellboy is magic Nazis, so you don't really feel bad for them. But no. when it comes to the the Prince of the Elves or whatever the, the bad guy of 2 is, it kind of makes you... Uh, feel, and again, he has to murder this Earth spirit or whatever. Like There's all kinds of, kind of interesting, complicating factors in Hellboy 2. But again, that, that would be the module where we'd use Men in Black is, is the, the discussion of spooky cops. Uh, I think another kind of interesting one we could look at is uh, the TV series The Boys. We wouldn't look at a lot of it. Uh, I think that show is more interesting than the comic it's based on. Uh, all very transgressive stuff that you probably get in a little bit of trouble for, even at uh, the most, uh, I don't know, even even at a pretty uh, accepting of, of content university. I think you might get some flack for showing The Boys. It's pretty egregious. But I think it's useful in juxtaposing uh, you know, superheroes against uh, a, a, force that, a force that watches the superheroes, right? Mm-hmm. The Boys, of course, if you're not familiar, is a comic book and TV show from Amazon that uh, delivers the question, who does watch The Watchmen? And the answer is The Boys. The Boys watch The Watchmen. Uh, and, and again, I think when looking at these spooky cop narratives, there's all kinds of interesting things we could look at, but I think one of the big things is uh, how couching law enforcement uh tropes and storytelling tropes within the worlds of the supernatural uh, and the otherworldly kind of change the dynamic of the stories that are being told. Uh, again, uh, Skip Intro is a great place to go if you want to get more of this. I think each of those entries in the Copaganda series is like 45 minutes to a half hour, you know, pretty pretty long video essays. Uh, but the Spooky Cops one is really interesting and a great place to start if, if you don't want to follow the entire series uh jump jump right in check it out Mm. Uh, it would probably be the backbone of this class because there's a lot of good academic uh citing going on in that that video essay series uh arthur how would you teach men in black i would probably use this i'm not sure Uh, i could probably do it in like a uh discussion of performances or just maybe a genre study on comedy Mm. Uh, but i think i'd specifically focus on comedy performance because i do think there's a lot going on with I mean, D'Onofrio himself, this kind of physical performance that he's doing. And I think I might liken it very closely to Leo in The Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. and specifically that Quaalude scene where <laughs> Leo, Leo just takes it to another level. Yeah. The physical performance he's doing. And I th- and especially critically, I think there's always, and I say critically with voting bodies and awards, Yeah, it's always overlooked comedy, especially, I mean, what Leo's doing in that is not easy. No. Uh, on a variety of levels. Uh, and I think the same thing here with D'Onofrio, the, the the commitment and the way he lands it, because it really is what, you know, what would a giant cockroach look like in human skin, but also just the level of, of high comedy taking place there uh, is, you know, something you'd see on an improv stage, you know, but uh, there's something about that. So I think that kind of juxtaposed with something like, 
uh, what uh, DiCaprio is doing there. And you could even go back to, uh, you know, Chaplin, Buster Keaton, people, you know, who were doing high physical comedy at that level mm-hmm. uh, and really making it work, I, I think, is, is what I'd look at. Uh, I think the other thing, though, in, in uh, you know, you already mentioned Bud Abbott, uh, it would be looking at that kind of Abbott Costello, or maybe you could do Lauren Hardy, uh, but I, I'm you know more familiar with Costello and, and Abbott. Um, but the, the straight man and the comedy kind of goof, because you know Tommy Lee Jones is very much Bud Abbott, and and Will's getting to be Costello, but there are moments in the movie where Will gets to be Bud Abbott, mm-hmm. and he's reacting mm. to this world that he is in, and and I think there's an interesting layer uh, there of of the comedy performance that Smith is is putting in as well, and the way he's reacting. I think of the childbirthing scene on the, the interstate when Reggie's fleeing uh, and you know, he's, he's kind of left with this, uh, which is another great, I think acting moment from Tommy Lee Jones where he has seen everything. He is not going to handle a live birth alien or human on the side of the road. And I, I think there's a way in which he passes <laughs> that off. That is really fun and smart. Uh, so we'd look at some old Abbott and Costello stuff there and kind of look at the straight man comedy duo and some more reactionary stuff. I think we look at. I think we look at Cary Grant, North by Northwest, mm. in the way he is responding, reacting to this situation that he has been thrust into. I think that wrong man comedy thing that he's doing there isn't unlike the fish out of water thing that Will Smith is doing in uh, Men in Black. And then I think we'd also look at Brad Pitt and George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven, sure, uh, because of that dynamic there. There are a lot of moments where Brad Pitt. Uh, where Clooney will ask Brad Pitt a question and Brad Pitt does nothing. He doesn't even look at him. He doesn't respond. And Clooney will respond the way he's thinking, like kind of reading his mind or reading the silence. And I think it's a really interesting dynamic between two actors um, who just have a great chemistry together. And so I think that performance stands out as, as a great comedy performance uh, in a not, you know, it's, a heist film that has a lot of comedy, but mm-hmm. people don't normally look at that as a comedy movie, I think. So I think looking at these different comic performances, how they, you know, there's some very traditional techniques being used in Men in Black that are still used to this day. Uh, and, you know, stuff like Wolf of Wall Street that are timeless Nickelodeon style stage performance comedy mm-hmm. that hasn't changed. Right. And is timeless and i think that's really interesting so that's what i would look at absolutely that is a great syllabus arthur uh for me i think what i would do is i would just talk about aliens in the 90s i think the whole cl- the whole class itself would be sort of uh the you know the search for life on other planets uh through the cinema and the movie perhaps uh, might be the name of the class and so you'd look at some early science fiction films i'm thinking about jules verne mm. uh sort of adaptations and uh george melier's a voyage to the moon is one of the you know one of the first films ever that has a narrative and is of course a journey to a another body in the heavens in which there are aliens of some sort and beginning with that sort of moving forward and so the module that men in black would fall in is the 90s which the 90s is an interesting place where it's trying to thread a needle between are the aliens our friends or not that seems to be an overwhelming sort of question Mm. in these 90s movies Uh, it's either sort of just assumed that they're good that they're bad I mean the the, the day the earth stood still from the 1950s sort of does uh, are they good are they bad and the sort of debate that goes on between sort 
sort of a, a, a sort of a leftist versus a rightist kind of view of what's going on with the aliens uh, entered into the conversation. But generally speaking, the movie just makes the assumption, you know, these aliens are bad, these aliens are good, and now we know. And so in the 90s, we've got a movie like Men in Black that's sort of positive, but also negative. So there, there's a lot of good people who are coming in, and then there are some that are not so great. And so trying to figure that out and, uh, again, sort of regulate some sort of security. And there's a sort of way in which the reflection of humanity in general is a reflection of what alien kind may look like. A movie like Contact, which has a very positive view of what's going on there with Jodie Foster from the 90s, uh, is another example. Then, of course, the ultimate sort of the aliens are definitely bad, and that is Independence Day from Roland Emmerich, uh, also starring Will Smith uh, as an interesting thing there. And then finally, uh, a movie that we reviewed recently, reviewed, analyzed recently on the show, and that's Tim Burton's Mars Attacks, mm. uh, which is very much a throwback to the 50s where there's this sort of hyper-aggression that goes on there, and the way in which it kind of sends that up in kind of a metatextual way. And so just thinking about 90 suspicions, which generally are focused at the government uh, in interesting ways, that the, the whole of the 90s sort of does that. And so one last piece I would add to it is one of the uh, X-Files movies, uh, Fight for the Future, perhaps, mm. uh, where, again, part of the problem is not so much that whether the aliens are good or bad, is whether or not uh, government agencies are really caring for our best interests or not and uh, what is the usefulness of the assumed secrecy about those things which are uh, extraterrestrial in those films and so that would be the module 80s module would obviously include et uh 70s module would obviously include close encounters uh we could go on and on uh but the uh, the 90s module that would be the films for that and uh, it would just sort of be looking at uh, the various ways in which we've reckoned with life on other planets uh throughout the century which I think would be a fun class and yeah. a good time. Frankly surprised to not hear you bring up the Charlie Sheen film, The Arrival from 96. I saw that movie. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Yeah. I've never heard oh, of right. it. You've never heard of this one? I remember it being on TV on like cable. I, a I remember there being a Cadillac with a North Star uh, engine in it. Like I the brand- a dude running with bent backwards legs. Mostly, yeah. What I remember. The, I, I remember bits of that movie, but I remember not caring for it very much. So uh, I don't know why you're surprised. <laughs> I, I think your sarcasm font was well. On. It's from the director of Pitch Black, David Tui. What's well, not to well, they like? They made a sequel. They did. They did. Okay, that's that's the thing that happened. Uh, so with that, I believe now is the time to get down to business. So with that, let's go ahead and start thinking about the analytical handles by which one might discuss this film, and I think there are many. Uh, what, uh, what's your pleasure, gentlemen? What was the first thing that sort of began to uh, tingle in the back of your imaginations? INS Division 6. There is no Division 6. I don't know. I, I, well, I, that's a good place to start. No, I mean, seen it immediately right there. I mean, government secrecy, the X Files thing. Is that you're saying? No, well, I was thinking immigration. Yeah, immigration. I mean, that's the biggie on the yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The movie like makes its parallels between like mu- the mundane earthly migrations and extraterrestrial migrations like very explicit in the opening scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it sure does suck that uh, Tommy Lee Jones shoots a guy that says he's a political refugee. Right. Uh, that is now he does go to attack that cop, but. 
And it does seem but, that he's going to he's moving with ill intent towards that cop. But yeah. he does claim to be a refugee. He does. So, kind of a problem Mikey. there. But it's it's great that uh, the men in black are not concerned with anybody else on the truck and want them all to be yeah continue yeah. to go about their business. Well, yeah, welcome to America. Yeah. Well, what they've probably the learned Infinita. in their intergalactic trade is I think what this movie posits, uh, uh, you know, in comparison that you bring up in your syllabus is that uh, you know are aliens good or bad? This movie posits there are probably millions of aliens and most of them are good people. They, mm-hmm. you know, I think you, Tommy even says, you know, Kay says something to that extent. They're mm-hmm. hardworking. They just want to be here. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of, it's aforementioned very much the commentary on, I think, immigration that it has is people just want to come here and have a better life as best they can. There mm-hmm. is a slight problematic, I think, with that particular part of the film because we have an entire race, an entire species that are simply... Bugs. Bugs that are there for destruction and terror and, you know, terrible, terrible, terrible things. And that's all we really ever learn about them. And, and you know, the I, I, I thought thoughts of travel bans as I was thinking that, uh, you know, this particular group, mm. you know, none of these people are ever good. They're all out for destruction. I'm like, well, that seems to be a bit... Much thornier 25 years later. Yes, much thornier. Yeah, it does yeah. not read quite as well now. I mean, it's obviously movie sort of shorthand. We've yeah. got to have bad guys, and so it's a bad guy species. Yeah. but And most people are creeped out by bugs, so. Correct. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, the snake people would have been just as evil or mm-hmm. whatever, right? But, ugh, I know, snakes. It's not okay. <laughs> Why did it have to be snakes, Dustin? Why, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Spider people. <laughs> uh, if it had been lizard people, the, the 90s would have lost their minds. Coast to coast radio would have not been able to handle that one. <laughs> it's the secret code where they're really telling yeah. us what's really Illuminati, going on. Illuminati, Illuminati, yeah, Illuminati. yeah da- David Icke would be shouting things like disclosure. <laughs> uh, so, But I, d- I do think that, that reads a little strange yeah. now. But it, it, it's also the seeds of some other attitudes that we will see come to fruition in the middle of the 20 teens well coming to fruition four years later yeah i mean yeah after you, 9/11, you yeah. start yeah. hearing people say shit like that right yep. away yeah I and mean, it's not new i mean that was the attitude after pearl harbor yep mm-hmm. you know i mean it's not yeah but yeah it is very much a uh painting with broad strokes yeah and it, yeah emblematic yeah. of that kind of idea yeah. and so i i thought about that a lot it's like oh so we, we just need a travel ban on bugs still where you're seeing stuff post pre pre 9 11 of the two towers oh yeah it's always That's kind of always surreal now see. and they just well it's well for me so they, much they've the been icon- gone longer than they were up for, i think for my life same yeah it's very surreal anytime they show up in anything and this movie uses them a lot mm-hmm just to I mean, establish New York skyline. Sky. Yeah. yeah. They, they, and even the South part of lower Manhattan, you know? Well, yeah. When they go to the baby on the Jersey turnpike, yeah, they, I mean, they use the skyline yeah. to mm-hmm. show that, Hey, they're on the Jersey turnpike. Yeah. Mm, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> definitely not. Well, that's, you know, that's the fun thing. You know, there's so many times when you're like, Oh, that's a New York set mm-hmm. when they're actually, you know, rounding corners at night and stuff. And like, okay, they're not filming on location right now. Yeah. They yeah. did not shut down blocks of Manhattan to too hard to do. Yeah. Another thing that's very much of its time that I thought about a lot was just the 90s sort of paranoia, conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. sort of this is the beginning moments of the internet, and uh, X-Files is a very, very popular show on television, yeah. and this idea of secret shadow agencies, uh, again, later on taking seed in forms of, like, A, the deep state, or the fact that there are just these government secrets, and the secrets may not be really all that helpful to all of us, and what needs to be secret, what doesn't need to be secret. Well, it's funny you bring that up, because I'd forgotten David Cross was in this movie, because mm-hmm. I I remember him being that guy in Men in Black 2. Mm. He's he's the he like works at the video store and is the, the oh, government yeah. cover up guy. He's like, oh yeah, the, 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 I've got the tapes. Yeah, uh, 
weird that he shows up in the first one. I don't remember if I watched the first 20 minutes of Men in Black 2. Yeah. Not a good movie. Uh, but I, I, I couldn't remember, and I didn't get to David Cross's scene. Do you, do you remember? Do they make reference to him being in the first one at all? Or he gets bug so. to the ceiling? I didn't think so either. This is a different character I've altogether. I've out most of yeah. <laughs> memory. I don't uh, think I ever saw it. She, it's uh, not very good. Doctor, I mean, you know, Forentino's character really kind of gets that here, though, because she's, you know, very early on. She, I mean, and again, planting seeds. You know, she goes to see Jay within the first 15 minutes yep. and just comes in and says something and leaves. But I she comes in you. like, I, I believe, believe you, yeah. you know, and then later she's like, I knew, you know, like well, the second she, she leaves is, the room, Tommy Lee Jones is there to neuralize yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> but even later in the movie, like after she, when she meets Jay again, mm-hmm. like she's like, you know, I've always thought like she has this like sneaking conspiracy feeling mm-hmm. that something is not on the level, that there's something off. Yeah, there, there seems to be, you know, in this pre nine 11 moment, there's, there's a real sort of magnitude towards, uh, declassification, a uh, real magnitude towards uh, sort of suspicion and uh, sort of c- total transparency. I requ- you know, uh, really kind of a, a grassroots populism that says, you guys are keeping stuff from us and you say it's for national security, but we don't really believe that. I think it's just, you don't know what would happen. And again, people are dumb, panicky animals. And it's interesting, you know, maybe... The alien community, the the uh, abduction community, the sightings community, more than any other, you know, like there's you know where there's smoke, there's fire. I, I feel like this community in particular, the mm-hmm. idea of the Men in Black, right, goes back decades, yeah. right, right. These operatives, it's part of lore, who, yeah, yeah, the black Harry helicopters, 51, yeah, yeah, like people who covering things up, like and going into this comic book series that this is based off mm-hmm. of. Right, but it is so interesting that of the conspiracies that there's so much longevity. I mean, it's, it's there with the the Bigfoot and, and Loch Ness and aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the the Men in Black is especially fun, right? Because it could it can be just government, you know, sh- shadiness, or it can be you know, fucking interdimensional beings pretending to be humans. Like, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of fun interpretations of what is a Men in Black. Or just simply a person pretending yeah. to be the CIA or the FBI yeah, exactly. or whomever. I mean, the CIA are the Men in Black, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Big time. So, yeah. But, but, again, just, there's a weird way in which that is a moment, and then, of course, what happens is 9-11. Sure. And then suddenly, well, you know, security and secrecy may be good ideas, and, and we sort of recycled that conversation now, and it, that can gets gotten kicked further down the road. I mean, I think about it a lot. Uh, this what last year, twenty eighteen, I guess it was as far back as that when uh, the Navy video was released of you know real UFOs. A name name checked within uh, this year's Nope, right? Yeah. They talk about the declassified yeah. Navy footage. I mean, that was you know that was the great thing about uh, of, of the pandemic of, of the silver linings was just the government was finally yeah aliens sure. We see something anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We've seen them. We don't know what they are either. Yeah, like they were just trying anything. What do you want to, to distract, distract from some of yeah. the other madness that was going yeah. on? It was just and and everybody. It's like it was the the casualness of it, the the pure nonchalance of everybody's like, oh yeah, checks out and moving on. <laughs> what, <you> know, like, <laughs> yeah, right. we're we're going with UAPs. Don't worry about it. it, it was, it's that one moment where Newman is right. Like nobody cares, Dotson. Dotson, Dotson. We got Dotson here. Nobody cares, right? We finally got our alien reveal, and nobody cared. Yeah, because we can't really prove. Well, okay, so we don't know what, what it is. It? Yeah, could it be an alien? Maybe. You know, yeah. this is Russians. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know, maybe. 
That whole yeah. there's a big fat wad of I don't know, incontrovertible proof that we don't know. Yeah. Uh, which again, and it was a big nothing burger. Yeah. You know, aliens are real, and uh, we have other things to think about, mm-hmm. which is wild. Uh, all right, uh, now I sound like a tinfoil hat wearing crazy. You are. That's usually me on this I've show. I've been in this yeah. office. <laughs> <laughs> I aluminum foil everywhere. That's, 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 well, you know they might get in. Oh, well, it's just because he didn't have windows. <laughs> Man, I, I really should get that window fixed. I've been three years with a hole in my window. You have? Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. You just got cardboard Dustin, over get it. Get the window fixed. I, well, it's not my job to fix the windows. Put in a maintenance request. I should do that. It's on a list. Um, I asked for... Um, I'm going to make you do it this week. <laughs> okay. I need to put one in for the men's soap dispenser. I know, right? I did. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Every time. Every time. No. All right, you two complain about your office conditions later. We've got men in black to talk <laughs> okay, about. Sorry, work from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no, anything that breaks is on me, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, let's talk about race. Oh, you want to talk about that? I do, because it'd okay. be raining black people in New York. <laughs> it's raining black people in New York. So good. That's a good joke. Uh, it is a good joke. <laughs> NYPD means I will knock your punk ass down. So that's good. one I think. I think about that all the I time. Think, yeah, that was that's a lo- great line. That's mm-hmm. lodged in my brain forever. Yep, 100%. There is something about Will Smith's star persona that seems to skirt away from being a political figure. Is what I would. Do you think it, he's got the OJ thing a little bit? Maybe. Uh, yeah. it, it does. It does seem that way because I, I, I'm thinking about you know fairy lives don't matter the line and bright. Oh my god! Yeah, you forgot know about that one. Forgot about bright. Yeah. Well, we all try to. We all try to. But there, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that goes yeah. on there where it's just. It, it seems that he. I don't know what he does. I don't there. know. Well, and the the Oscars have only complicated man Will Smith as a portrait of, of a black American masculinity, right? Like, and I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I'm not the guy to have an opinion about it. As we joked around at the start of the show, like, mm-hmm. that's that is the the community has talked about that. And, and you know, things focused on you know black culture discourse. Like, there are podcasts for that conversation. There are. This ain't that podcast. But I can say. It does complicate Will as like a public figure, and it's I don't know it it, it definitely made white people uncomfortable to see him slap somebody at a public setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sure didn't like that. Uh, not you know to bang with too broad a brush. I don't think the white people at this table gave a shit about it. Uh, but yeah, some people clutched their pearls. Some people named uh, oh my god, it was what's his name? Um, not Adam McKay. Um, super bad. And Apatow. Apatow. Yeah, Apatow was the per- real was a bananas pearl clutching yeah. take yeah. about it. Just like Judd, yeah, it was weird. What universe? What universe are all of these white people from where nobody's ever got hit in the face? Right. That's what I want to know. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. They just I- make the rest of us look bad. <laughs> like no, we promise. Some of us come from families where people get hit. <laughs> yeah. Some of us have a little grit to us. I promise. Yeah. My 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 whole problem with the whole issue was the idea of assaulting a comic because you don't like the joke. Yeah. That's uh, not that, that. That's what I. I mean, you know, there's I mean, a lot of things. You there's know, a lot public of public comic- figures hitting public figures on multi-million broadcast show. You know, it's just like. There's a lot here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to unpack in that moment. Yeah. yeah. And it was all unpacked very. Ignorantly. Yeah. And immediately. And immediately. <laughs> yes. Right. The, the, we are. The, and that is the danger of the immediacy of the internet. The world of the hot take is but a scary place. I think back to your, you know, the other only other figure I could think about who I think is very similar to Will Smith, um, because I think there is this kind of apoliticalness to him. And then that's The Rock. It's, it's Dwayne Johnson, mm-hmm. who is just, he is a brand. I don't know that he's a human being. He is a brand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's who Will Smith was for so long. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to... 
acknowledge that in any other way. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a similar thing. And God, this is a whole other rabbit hole. We don't have to go down. But I, I think you can see some of this too with Johnny Depp and, and the kind of the response to Depp in the midst of that trial. Nobody wanted to buy Depp as a bad guy that he could do wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. I know. I read that one profile of him about how he just leaves roaches and half it, drank glasses of wine all over the house, and I'm like, that sounds like a, a messy dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, there. I are know those, you mean though. Yeah, I mean, it's the same people who. It's the it's the people who thought the slap was staged. Uh, they couldn't buy that Will Smith would do something like that, right? Because Will Smith, I think, spent so long fostering this bipartisan, apolitical brand that, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. The bottom line was all he was worried about. Right. Well, and also fighting to be taken seriously as an actor at some point. I, I think there's a lot of Which that, I, too. Which I think yeah. makes the, the win just like, oh, yeah. it just like makes the whole night like uh, yeah. a real head scratch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think, you know, The Rock exists in a similar place. And, and, and Tom Cruise might also come up in this conversation, but I think don't think Tom Cruise is apolitical at all. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, Tom Cruise is all about his brand, but also mm-hmm. heavily invested in the American military complex. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so... But I think there's this interesting parallel between Will Smith and Dwayne Johnson. I think that's a fair comparison. In a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. And I, and I do think a lot about... Both multi, well, both multi-hyphenates. You as, know. as you say that, I think about Michael Jordan a lot as a brand. Yeah. You know, the same sort Republicans of... Republicans buy Nikes, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so it, it seems that he just said, uh, I'm going to play a cop. I'm going to play a cop like a cop has played. And I'm, we're not going to have any comment on this. And yeah. We're going to go on. Yeah, you know, and so excessive force or excessive chase downs. We're just no, not not going to touch it, you know, with a ten foot pole. And uh, we'll make a little black joke here and there, but that's all we're going to do because yeah. it'd be raining black people in New York. Well, right. and of course, like as white dudes who don't actually make a living on their personalities, like we have the luxury of being like, you should be more political, right? Like mm-hmm. people, oh should yeah, be more, oh yeah, which I think is worth pointing out, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think what we all would acknowledge that. I just think, yeah. I just mean it's it's worth. No, I'm mentioning. glad you like, said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but it's it's a hard thing for a person of color who's like making it in that industry to like yeah that's a tough call to make dude yeah mm-hmm. yeah because once you muhammad ali yourself you, yeah yep you know people are gonna at, ha, want you to have an opinions mm-hmm. i think denzel's like somebody that's done a very shrewd job of navigating that of like having something to say about race in america but also like trying to you know he played malcolm x mm-hmm. yeah denzel's got opinions mm-hmm Denzel knows things, but you know at the same time he is also like very judicious about what he says and what he and says. Staying out of the public eye, yeah, yeah. He's a private man. Yeah, yeah he, he he's more of an actor than a celebrity I at mean, the end of the day. You'll see him at a few award shows. I mean, he doesn't yeah. really do. I don't think a lot of interview. Like, and he press. roasts he roasts people when they try to interview him. Yeah, he's a he's. You know, have you seen the clip of him being like, actually, it's Denzel, just like, uh-uh. yeah, <laughs> which funny. apparently is like, uh, yeah, it, it apparently is like he he's named after his dad, and his dad's named after like some doctor the family knew. Yeah, but they started calling him Denzel around the house, so they knew who was being like if he was talking to dad or gotcha. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. that's where it comes from. But yeah, there's a nickname. Yeah, but apparently he was just roasted. I've heard about this on a Unspooled. They were they okay. covered Training Day recently, mm-hmm. yeah. and they talked about him in an interview being like, "Actually, it's Denzel," and just the interview and being like, "Uh, uh," it's just like completely <laughs> short circuiting. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Mister yeah, Washington. He's just like, yeah, yeah, he's not a guy you want to interview because he's yeah. gonna mess with you because he finds. I think he has a lot of disdain for the process mm-hmm. of yeah. like, publicity and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's the, what we're talking about is sort of the difficulty of being a. A, a black person in America who's also a household name, right? Is and I'm 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 you know maybe a, I'm watching a 
Mike, the Hulu miniseries right now, the mm-hmm. Trevante Rose, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. starring about Mike Tyson. And yeah, it's, you know, there's a line in the second episode where he's, he's got a friend that says, white people like you. I would kill to have white people know me right now. It just kind of mm-hmm. complicates when you start thinking about all the mitigating factors that go into black celebrity. Like it really yeah. is. You, you have to stop and consider the ways in which it's different. You just right. have to. And I think it's, yeah, well, go ahead. I was going to say, then just bringing it back to this film, mm-hmm. uh, I want to talk about the intentional cultivation of that star persona. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was an interview and I read it, man, I read it before I cared about movies in entertainment tonight mm-hmm. or entertainment weekly, mm-hmm. uh, the magazine, yeah. uh, or whatever it was called. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I was reading and Will Smith had made a decision based on box office turnout of the 1980s. And he looked at the top 10 most popular films as far as, uh, selling tickets. And there were movies like, Ghostbusters and E.T., and they were all special effects features, and they were action comedies. He said, that's what I want to find, is special effects action comedies. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to Interesting. do. Interesting. I've never heard this He very, very, very intentionally made selections about the kind of films he was in, because he did want to be the biggest star in the world. That was the goal there. And so I, I think part of what we're seeing here is the difficulty negotiating those sort of political, racial sort of waters alongside a simple goal of, I want to be very, very successful in this field, uh, this sort of personal competitiveness. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I do think that's a, a really admirable trait uh, in Will Smith and a few other actors. We could probably add to that list. But I think Smith is a great example of someone who very much said, I want to be at the top of this game. Mm-hmm. And the way I get there is I make my bones by making a ton of money, you know, or making the studios a ton of money. I mean, he obviously wanted to get paid as well, but I'm going to make the studios yeah. a ton of money so that I can get into the project where I can get a ton of prestige, I can get a ton of awards. And it's a very, very, you know, uh, sort of just, I mean, you mentioned the Mike Tyson uh, series off of Hulu. Uh, it's a very sort of intentional, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to the Junior Olympics. For the Junior Olympics, we're going to go to the Real yeah, Olympics. Is... Then we're going to turn pro, and then we're going to move in, and we're going to get the WBA title, and then we're going to do that to the yeah. WBC, and they, and they cover to the this, IBA. Yeah. Casamato's, like, yeah. plan for his career. Yeah, they, they cover this in these miniseries. Right. Like, that was his plan. Yeah. Like, Olympics, Junior Olympics, Olympics, pro. Yeah. And, and, and Will Smith has the exact same kind of plan, yeah. Yeah. you know, looking at, again, the movies that made the most money in the 80s. And so here we are in the 90s, like, okay, we're, well, that's going to continue to be the thing. So special effects, action comedies, yeah. we're going to go that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a guy, I mean, not only that, but who starts as a musician, yeah, works his way into TV, and becomes one of maybe five, a handful of people who transition from TV to being an A-lister. Which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's obviously... It's George Clooney. Yeah. Obviously, it's super common now to go back and forth between the two, but in the 90s, yeah, yeah. that was still the era where, like, TV... And Clooney's act- Rosemary's kid. I mean, you know, he's got, you know, that sure. extra sort of back pocket credit, right? Sure. Good yeah. point. But yeah, I mean, that's it was a time when that wasn't done. Yeah. If you were a TV star, you stayed a TV star. So you're right. I mean, it's... It, and again, we talked about this off air... At the end of the day, he becomes a better actor than he is uh, a musician. Yeah, yeah. which well, I think is really interesting. Turn tra- your attention again, as you saw my blinker. <laughs> yeah, it's just an interesting trajectory for his career. Uh, speaking of careers, another person that I thought about—I know we've talked about her when we talked about Dogma on this show—but mm. Linda Fiorentino. Uh, yeah, uh, earned, underused. Underused. Not in the sequel to this movie. Because Will <gasps> and Tommy both didn't want her back, apparently. Really? Yeah, and she has been a consummate professional, has not said anything about it. Uh, but she's one of those women who got the the sexist label of difficult tacked onto her, and it kind of killed her career. You know, nobody really? knows. Yeah, I know we talked about this on, on Dogma a little bit, just kind of speculating about 
you know, her being in the Weinstein orbit of, did she push back against the Weinstein machine and did yeah. that hurt her career? Mm-hmm. But you just never know. And this, it, it, go, it speaks to, uh, I saw somebody cite uh, Amy Nicholson article from 2016 that kind of deals with this problem with the Best Supporting Actress winners specifically uh, having a hard time in their careers and just kind of the replaceability of the supporting female actor. Like, yeah, yeah if, if you don't play the game the way they want you to play it, you're a dime a dozen they can find another love interest somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a problem, but she's great in this movie. I mean, she absolutely like sings, steals every scene she's in. Absolutely. Just cause she's got great screen presence. Um, uh, and again, just a career that didn't really pan out. You know, she's got after hours before this, she's in this, you know, huge movie gets to lead the, the bill in dogma, but there's really only so many movies featuring her and her career just sort of, fizzles out hmm. because of getting that this label of difficult and uh, this film being one of the films that like really you know not getting the sequel definitely hurts your career if you're not asked yeah. back for men in black too yeah even if it's a bad movie like th- that's you know coming back from the original is sort of the sign of whether or not that was a good move for your career in a lot of ways yeah mm. That's too bad. Yeah, I didn't know that. She is totally underused, damsel in distress. I mean, all the tropes are there, and so you know, all those problem problematics are present in the movie. Just very nineties of 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 the movie to give her the moment of of, uh, shading them for uh, her her, uh, exercising anything resembling sexual independence. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that joke. Very nineties joke, but I think she makes it work pretty well. Yeah. Um, she does rescue them in the end. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Interesting moment. job you boys have. Yeah, and she does have the sort of like you know stinger tag on there at the end where she set a, her up a to be in Men in Black, Black. too. Yeah. yeah, they set her up to be in the sequel. Yeah. Right, criminal. It really, truly. But yeah, is. I, just in my brief reading, it, one of Jones' stipulations for coming back was that she was also not asked back. And Will really? Smith has also got some quotes uh, out there about not the wanting to work. Notoriously difficult, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, Who is famous for being, yeah, a total <laughs> pain. Yeah, yeah, super easy to work with. <laughs> not to understand, I mean, and it is pretty widely understood to be uh, Men in Black 2 to be one of the uh, terrible productions. Uh, from behind the scenes with, oh yeah with sony and the producers and sonnenfeld butting heads constantly really i mean it, i mean it comes off in that movie too because it is a mess of a film well and they have to spend the first half of the movie finding a way to write tommy lee jones back yeah. into the movie and then it's the third act yeah i mean it is just a, a mess of a film and i think those production woes show mm. on screen a movie we probably won't be covering on this show at any point although is good i was about to say we do another part threes marathon we might touch on men in black three because i there's some stuff because there. josh brolin nails young tommy lee jones brolin's mm. good in that movie guy that's a good movie already 10 years old yeah it's wild wild um but yeah i mean and florentino uh, that care i mean she has such a good chemistry with smith those, those moments that they do have together mm-hmm. yeah that's why I i'm mean, surprised there's, there's a palpable i think tension between them yeah yeah you know it's it's there's definitely sexual chemistry there but there's there's like just good banter there yeah yeah, and it's it was so surprising me to see that even that you know Tommy whatever obviously kind of a prickly guy not yeah. surprising to see he didn't like somebody but to see Will like have beef it's just like okay it's weird well, Will's weird. famous for doing that I, I'm just thinking about the first Aunt Viv you know yeah. on Fresh Prince oh yeah is is that why she got replaced yeah yeah really yeah interesting I had no idea yeah I, I, I again when that. you have a person who's that meticulous. In developing a brand for themselves, mm-hmm. I think that anything that could potentially ruffle that brand is, you know, and you're going to go with the moneymaker. Yeah. And Will Smith's the moneymaker. Yeah. You know, it's a bad so. industry. 
Yeah, it's, it's gross. It's a weird we sure, place. You know, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things that the three of us could be interested in that would be equally problematic. Mm-hmm. But we sure we chose been, Hollywood. We sure did choose Hollywood, didn't we? Yeah, and we did. What a machine. Really gotten away from talking about this movie. Um, I, I, but I feel like a lot of this movie's problems are like kind of indicative of Hollywood, right? Yeah. Like we're, the things that we're talking about with this movie are things that like crop up throughout not just movie making, but throughout the show. They're just yeah. topics that we cover a lot. Yeah. Because so many movies are beholden to a system that is just not fair. Well, this is people. a system movie. Exactly. From, from top to bottom. I and mean, it, 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 it treats good, people callously. And it, 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 yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, callous. We get a non-common Elvis drop. Yeah. Which yeah, is kind of fun... off the beaten path mm-hmm. Elvis track. Yeah. That's a good one. That's cool. Yeah, it's just fun to see. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what. How about a design of a, a Lincoln Continental turning into some sort of ghost? A Ford. Uh, well, maybe a Ford LTD, yeah. Unlimited technology from across the universe, and you drive around in a Ford POS. Yeah, but, another but great planting of the seed. But that car turning into a combination of the Back of the Future car meets the Batmobile, I, the yeah. Batmobile is underused. I, I, I think it's that cool. car could have been one of the great iconic cars. Yeah, you know, because it's only got it's only, the car's got one scene. Yeah, and man, it is cool. Yeah, I think Just, about it a lot. Yeah, I do too. I'm kind of interested in the ethics of the neuralizer. You guys thought about that? Oh, it's we terrible, were... right? This yeah. is awful. No, don't know. Not only the, the uh, it's just taking away people's memories, but yeah, and, and they kind of address it like, are you worried about the side her, effects? You're going to give her brain cancer. Yeah, yeah. never, I mean, never heard of it before. Jay yeah. is yeah. That word, that's you... the joke about that he's the, the uh, coroner has been neuralized multiple times because she's constantly got Getting alien in the bodies way. in the morgue. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a fun thing that they just sort of like put it. Wait, it makes you go, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> How many times? Yeah. It's pretty funny. Well, the amorality of government, again, it seems yeah. to be sort of yeah. a standard 90s theme. Well, the there. greater good. Yeah. Right. Well, but again, yeah, I, I think the greater, the greater good, good. The greater good. The greater good. The greater good question is all over this movie, though, right? Like, is is the thesis of the movie correct? Do people want to just go about their business and not be bothered by larger concerns? I think the last two or three years have shown us that absolutely. People don't want to think about all the myriad ways that uh, society could come halting uh, and crashing down all at once. People just want to go on about their business. And I, I think as as ethically dicey as the neuralizer is, I think people don't want to know about yeah. intergalactic uh, uh, diplomatic emergencies going on around them if, if yeah. they were. Right. I think the movie is right in its thesis statement. Think like, about what you will know tomorrow. Yeah. God. Such a good There's so many good lines. They but, really do give Tommy Lee Jones a bunch of good lines in yeah. this movie. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to a point where we're in a reverted. Where we're, we're definitely uh, spinning around a little bit now, talking about the movie. So, um, Arthur, <laughs> shock us. Shelf or trash? <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely on the shelf. Been, yeah. on, been on the shelf for a long time. Uh, Dalton. Yeah, I, I can't argue with Arthur on this. I think this movie is really strong. Uh, again, we've we've kind of talked about some of the issues that we have with it both uh, what it says, production issues. But at the end of the day, this this is just good, big-budget movie making. They, they, they don't always do it this well, but when they do, it reminds you why it works when, when, the, when it works. Absolutely. What about you, Dustin? If cinema matters for cultural literacy at all, this movie is an example of that. And therefore, it's a tr- it's definitely a shelf. How's I almost said trash because you got to know this movie just to know culture. I mean, talking mm. about using the flashy thingy on you, mm. or the idea of just the Men in Black, or I mean, 
this the the idea of the noisy cricket, which is just the stupidest gag that totally works, and uh, the career of Will Smith. I it is just, it's an important touchstone to sort of connect all of those really really important dots. And so for that reason, I think it is uh, a cultural touchstone of just cinema history. Uh, truly, I, I I think it is historical, and so definitely a shelfer for me as well. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on Men in Black. You can share your thoughts with us, and Dalton's going to tell you how that I am, Dustin. You can send your long-form feedback to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com that's right if you've got some thoughts that you want to share with us send us an email that's the name of the show you were listening to <laughs> at gmail.com you can also find us over on twitter at goodtrashmedia it's where we post links to this show other shows in our orbit other things in the media world that we're interested in or have tickled our fancy it's at goodtrashmedia on twitter if you want to keep up with us on social media uh certainly last but not least uh, if you want to support us financially, you don't have to do that. We love keeping this show free and ad-free. But if you want to help us pay hosting fees, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM and uh, find ways there. Uh, find out all the ways that you can support us and that you can get benefits from supporting us. Uh, but last week, we watched Smokey and the Bandit. We had to buy that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, th- those are the kinds of things that your money goes to, helping us program the show, helping us uh, keep the show on the internet, things like that. Uh, what do you get out of it? You can pick, do things like pick movies for us to watch. Uh, you can uh, fill out a little survey that we'll send you, and we'll send you movies uh, quarterly uh, based on that survey. All kinds of fun things you can get from supporting us, including a bunch of bonus content from over the years. Uh, all kinds of fun stuff over there. Patreon.com forward slash GTM. Perfect. Thank you very much for that, Dalton. Hey, Arthur, we're going to do another movie? Yeah, our marathon's over. Yeah, we got one one more week. One more well, week. Oh, there's another week to this marathon. Yeah, one more week of month. celebrating ten I'm so years. So glad we get to do five weeks of celebration. I thought we were cutting it short no, at four for some reason. We got one more, and so uh, we're going to close out the first part of our ten year celebration with one little movie. As we experience life as a teenager, when we talk, but I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> that's the movie we should have covered a while ago yeah, yeah. absolutely we should have covered a while ago we should have covered are... that while Bohannon was still on the show and we are eminently qualified to talk about it um sarcasm font sarcasm font sarcasm font but you keep watching and we'll keep talking we'll see you all next time anyway <laughs> <laughs>